Today on the Toppy Show, Anheuser-Busch Halloween tweet is not as scary as their latest sales figures. UAW strike cost Atlantis $3.2 billion. Vivek tweet on Twitter files showing government corruption goes viral. Disney critique for a rumor of Hercules to be race-swapped in upcoming live-action remake. Lovely, we definitely need another one of those. Vogue, Vanity Fair, and Wired Publisher to cut staff by 5%. AMD Q3 results are in. Caterpillar exceeds Q3 estimates, but their stock still drops. And Wana Banana child fruit pouches are recalled due to a lead content. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's great, handsome, and brilliant. He's me, you see. That's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of the month. So if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Vogue, Vanity Fair, New Yorker, Wired, Publisher, cutting 5% of their staff. Now, specifically, the parent company is known as Condi Nest, and they actually... As a global media company founded in 1909 by Condi Montrose Nast, who was born in 1873. So quite some time ago. It's so far away ago in time, people actually didn't have social media. Back then, a tweet was something birds did, physically. Now, in this case, it was later subsequently owned by Advanced Publications, and the headquarters are located in One World Trade Center in the financial district of Lower Manhattan. The publisher behind the name of Condi Nast that 5% cut in staff equates to about 270 employees. And the CEO said that the move was in response to a shifting media industry that is leading to a decline due to social media traffic and digital advertising pressures. Now, the CEO Lynch also noted that the audience is moving towards short form videos that are going viral, pun moderately intended, on both TikTok and YouTube. And that format is more difficult to monetize, which is very true. If you look at the YouTube monetization, it's one of those instances where you make very little per view and it's one of those things where you really only quote unquote make it in terms of sustainably making a living on the YouTube platform is if you have a huge number of views and you sell a company merchandise, swag, subscriptions. It is exceedingly difficult, which is why so many creators have sponsors. That's the only feasible way to make a product that is a YouTube entertainment these days. It's one of those instances where the formula for YouTube when they first start the company and their first time to ramp it up, and when Google first bought the company, they are paying creators a lot of money because they had to build the audience. Now they have the largest audience on the planet. Literally, billions of people go to visit YouTube, so they don't need that as an incentive as much because the audience is already there. Now, how long will that audience stick around while you have competitors like TikTok as well as Twitter increasing more and more of their market share? I mean, that's a quite literally the multi-billion dollar question. Now, in regards to publications and you know good old things like magazines, well, those things were heavily subsidized by advertisements. That's really how most media works. And with advertisements, that's why I used to wonder as a child, how could they possibly give me this magazine for free? Well, it's because the publisher makes all their money from the advertisements. So that's why every two or three pages on, what was it, Nintendo Power or PlayStation Magazine, whatever it was back in the day, it's why that every third page or fourth page, so it seemed, was an advertisement. Because that's quite literally what paid for that to be published. And subsequently, other magazines, you actually paid a subscription. And usually, even the subscription was very relative to the value you get for the product. 
pretty cheap. And traditionally, in some instances, that price you were paying was quite literally just the price to print it and to produce it. All the profit that helped the media company grow was from the advertisements. And we have this huge shift in media. Let me know in the comments, when was the last time you purchased a magazine? It's one of those things where I would almost argue there perhaps is even less value than that than a book. Now, call me an old soul. I'm one of the few people who still buy physical books. I, not half my office, but a not insignificant portion of my office and I guess slash studio is actually little paper books on a shelf. Partially because, eh, call me an old soul. I just prefer the feel of it. It's more durable, and I'm one of those folks where I do like to reread the books. And I find with certain books, you actually gain a little bit more insight when you do that from time to time. But magazines they're really not by their very nature very durable now granted some people might hoard magazines for decades but just the very nature of how they're produced being you know paper versus and as you have a book the paper of that is much much thicker and traditionally well if, you're, if i'm doing well in my quote attainment i buy the hardcover books which last even longer because they're more durable but when it comes to magazines they're worth so little one fun little adhd note for the day and let me know in the comments if you prefer more or less of these moderate adhd tangents but one of the first companies I actually founded was toppings craigslist where we sold people's stuff in exchange for a commission and i would go to 35 40 garage and state sales every saturday just to find more inventory for the stuff that we would just sell directly and one of the most heartbreaking things is having to tell people that their lifetime collection of national geographic was basically worthless like so many people collected those magazines thinking they'd be worth a lot of money someday because it's a collection and at the end of the day, they're really not worth anything. Most magazines aren't. People used to think that, and again, cover your ears if you have children listening, people used to think Playboys were collectible. Well, not really, because all of the gentlemen who purchased them would keep it. Usually not in very sanitary methodology, but nevertheless, they kept it. The only one that was ever really worth any money was their original copy, which I believe was 1950, was it 53 or 58, which famously had Marilyn Monroe on the cover and inside the magazine, which, at the time, it was a huge controversy in terms of Hollywood and media because they thought it would ruin her career. Ironically, they actually made her the poster, chi poster child of the whole sexual revolution, and it was a huge, fascinating business use case. But if you look around the house, would you ever buy a magazine again? I mean, even Wired, my whole life, I actually would just read the website, Wired.com, and that's one of the publications that this parent company owns. So with all that said, I'm not too surprised that they're reducing their headcount and their staff and granted, it is sad that they're losing their jobs, but the, the silver lining is, if you look at the glass half full, well, I'd say more than half full, it's 95% full, 95% of the employees still have their jobs. So they're not going out of business, don't get me wrong. But it'll be interesting to see what's the long-term effect and if there's any possible way they could perhaps reinvigorate or bolster the production of magazines to get the audience and get the consumer reinvigorated with the idea or Perhaps it will just go the way of newspapers where newspapers have become a very niche product and more and more people are just using more digital consumption for the media. So long story short, let me know in the comments section. Hopefully these folks are able to find new jobs at other media entertainment companies and hopefully they're able to transition their skill sets into the growing uh, industry of the media segment, which would be the more digital age. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have AMD Q3 results, as well as their forecasting $2 billion 
in AI chip sales in 2024. Now this comes as AMD is perhaps one of the greatest underdog stories in business history. I mean, Intel is one of those things where they were the dominating factor for decades, eons, and in an ironic twist, very similar to Microsoft saving Apple by buying their stock when Apple was on the precipice of going under, Intel actually bought AMD stock and helped them out when they were on the break of going bankrupt a couple times because they were worried about antitrust laws and Intel has a majority of the market share. So the eyeballs from the SEC or the Security Exchange Commission are already on them. Now, AMD, fun little fact, they're actually the manufacturer that won most of the contracts for video game consoles. So you're looking at the PlayStations, the Xboxes, and they've also, I forget what the Nintendo uses for their handheld, but it'd be an AMD processor. Now with laptops, a majority of the time, as long as it's not Apple, Apple now makes their own, but it was usually Intel by default. And AMD had been growing and growing, and in the data center especially, the past 24 months, they've been growing their market share exponentially. Now when I say data center, that's when, that's really where the Facebook is. When you think about, one of my favorite memes in IT, or tech and the tech industry is there's no just thing as the cloud it's just someone else's computer because it's true the cloud is just a data center somewhere you can't see now with amd coming out with their fourth quarter guidance now in the third quarter earnings they estimated that their amd their um, gpu sales would exceed two billion dollars for the ai category in 2024 which makes sense that is going to be one of the most revolutionary revolutionary technologies in our lifetime and it'll be fascinating to see how much they can benefit from that. Now, going back into the actual earnings per share, it looks like the earnings per share came in at 70 cents per share, adjusted, and they actually only expected to hit 68 cents per share earnings. The revenue came in at $5.8 billion for fiscal Q3. And it's even better because they were only expected to bring in a mere $5.7 billion. And again, it might not sound like the biggest amount of money in the world in terms of the delta or the difference, but Again, if you're ever publicly traded, that is the best thing you do. Exceed Wall Street expectations because it makes the shareholders happy and prospective investors will increase their probability that they'll invest in your stock because you're showing that you could exceed expectations just as anyone would in a 95 job, just like when you're getting a raise. Show you going above and beyond. That usually gets some eyebrows raised and gets some attention in a good way if it's a good company. Now, it looks like for the fourth quarter, AMD says it expects to come in about 6.1 billion sales However, it looks like some analysts were looking for revenue of 6.37. Now, that being said, I think it's always, well, again, it's the whole methodology on what your outlook is from a business perspective or your philosophies, but I think it might be better to, you know, head, not hedge your bets, but you don't want to overshoot it because, again, when you miss expectations, that's when all hell breaks loose. I mean, people sell the stock, people freak out. Now, it looks like this is from CNBC. They claim that AMD is one of the few chip makers capable of making the high-end graphic processing units or GPUs needed to train and deploy generative artificial intelligence models. The market is currently, well, I was say dominated by NVIDIA, but it's more like, what's the better word for dominated? American than NVIDIA? World captured? It's one of those things where NVIDIA, when it comes to GPUs, when it comes to the graphics card in your computer, I love graphics cards specifically, is kind of like the old commercial for Nerf guns. Nerf or nothing is what they used to say back in the day. It's basically NVIDIA or nothing. The computer that I built specifically to edit podcasting, well, one of the biggest components is the graphics card. I believe it's the single most expensive line item in terms of the components. And we got an NVIDIA design graphics card manufactured by Gigabyte. 
which is how they also bolster their profits from a company perspective. They don't just manufacture, they also license it, which licensing, very lucrative in terms of very similar to a brand when it comes to Disney putting their logo on a bottle or t-shirt or whatever the heck they sell these days to the 18 fans they have left. Well, in that case, they just get paid money just to have the logo on there. Very rudimentary similar to the situation with NVIDIA. Now, AMD said its forthcoming AI chips will be the, well, I was gonna say these aren't very inspirational in terms of marketing, but nevertheless, their names are M as in Mike, and then I as in Egglu, 300A as in, as in Alpha. So MI300A and the MI300X. Again, where's the marketing department when you need them? But nevertheless, they say that those are both on track for volume production in its current quarter. Now, the stock initially dropped, however, about 4%, extending the trade, but recovered after the company gave a rosy 2024 forecast with AI chip development. And this is from directly, almost brilliant CEOs in business history. She, Lisa, turned this company around. And again, hindsight's always 2020. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying, if I were to stock park, if I were to place Beth in the stock market, she's Louise, I should have bought this stock way back in the day. Now, AMD's CEO, Lisa Su, specifically said, quote, we now expect data center GPU revenue to be approximately 400 million in the fourth quarter and exceed 2 billion in 2024 as revenue ramps throughout the year. Again, that's straight from the CEO's mouth. Now, the article continues to say that the net income for its third quarter rose to 299 million or 18 cents per share to 66 million or 4 cents per share a year ago, or that, that from, and revenue increased 4% from 5.6 billion a year earlier. Now, they also continue to say that data center, which includes AMD's server processors and AI chips called GPUs, reported 1.6 billion in sales. That's actually flat compared to a year earlier. AMD said that its sales of server CPUs grew, which I believe, and again, anecdotally, I, that's the industry I'm a part of for my technology company. We perform a lot of data center work as well in addition to our cybersecurity expertise. But as a youth might say, AMD has been killing it in the data center, taking more and more market share it's one of those things where it's many instances, not every single use case, but it's cheaper and better performs better than Intel, which is a great bang for your buck. Though hopefully not pun intended because you never want explosives in the data center. I do not recommend that. Nevertheless, it looks like on the call, Sue also mentioned that the recent AI acquisitions and improvements in the company's AI software suite. She said, quote, I think we will see the growth in generative AI workloads and the fact that we're just into very early innings of people truly adapting it for enterprise business productive applications, unquote. And they noted that revenue in AMD's client group, which includes sales from PC processors, rose 42% year over year to 1.5 billion driven by PC chips, which is ridiculously impressive. Again, an overwhelming majority of the time, especially early in my career, I would say maybe seven years ago when I was starting to get into IT, I couldn't help but notice Every time you walk past the laptop, you would see that Intel sticker on the laptop indicating it had an Intel processor in there. Only very rarely would you see AMD, and they're just growing more and more and more. And again, high says 2020. That is an astronomically great sales increase. So it'll be interesting to see how much they continue to grow. But when it comes to the data center, I can't help but think, you know, every company these days, or most companies, are looking for more banks. For their buck and trying to decrease their cost but increase performance and it's gonna be hard to beat the value of an amd processor and as they expand to these new categories i can't help but think they're going to be continuing to do quite exceptional for some time under lisa's stewardship
Other interesting business news, you have Caterpillar exceeds Q3 estimates, but their stock does still drop. Now this is thanks to investors.com, which I'd say A plus for marketing. You know exactly what this company is gonna be about or rather this website is gonna be about. And when it comes to the specifics, it looks like analysts expected Caterpillar earnings to grow 21.5% to $4.80 per share as revenue climbed 10% or rather 10.5% to 16.57 billion, according to FactSet. Now the results, Caterpillar earnings per share motored 40% to $5.52 per share, and revenue grew 12% to $16.81 billion. That is astronomically impressive. Now, they also attributed the 1.3 billion of the 1.8 billion in year-over-year -year sales growth to price increases, while 130 million reflect higher sales volumes. The rest came from currency adjustments and financial product revenue. That translated to 20.8% adjusted operating profit margin, down slightly from 21.3% in Q2. They also know that construction industry sales rose 12%, while sales for resource industries grew 9%. Sales for energy and transportation industries grew 11%. Which again, I was gonna say, if you ever have extra time to look on the computer and just browse random cool things, Look at the world's largest truck, and I believe it still is the Caterpillar. Because it's literally a truck, or a dump truck, engineered for carrying raw materials like for mining. It's one of those instances where just the tire is larger than a person. It's a fascinating feat of engineering. Now, they also continue to say that dealership inventories rose $600 million to provide a, a boost for Q3. Though a bit less than $700 million a year ago. Now, they also continue to say that the order backlog decreased by $2.6 billion from Q2 after a $300 million rise in the prior quarter. In terms of the outlook, they say that Caterpillar expects the Q3 operating margin to be lower than Q4, or Q4 operating margin to be lower than Q3. Now, sales are seen up slightly versus $16.6 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022. Now, the stock actually fell 4.1% to $232.36 per share after it had previously increased by 1.5%. Now it'll be interesting to see as the company continues to grow, what industry is gonna be helping them out, out the most as the globe is exponentially increasing their demand for mining lithium for all the EV cars that are gonna be great disposable vehicles if you don't care about your car lasting 10 years. Personally, I prefer my little Honda Civic Si because it's got three pedals, also known as a meal transmission and an internal combustion engine. And it's one of those things where that'll last what, a million miles in a quarter century because Japanese engineering is phenomenally impressive and reliable. But it'll be interesting to see how that demand and how the global demands increase the sales for Caterpillar and how they go from here. But as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney critiqued for race swapping Hercules as reports show that Michael B. Jordan is most likely going to leave a live-action adaptation of the original film. Now, this was also one of those instances where... Let me know in the comments. Has it, when was the last time Disney actually made a profit? Well, that in general, in terms of films, they certainly have not. They've lost about $2 billion over the past like 12 movies or something like that. It's perhaps a business blunder of... Oh, it'd be hard to say. Business blunder of the year. What award... It's hard to say who's in the lead... Bud Light, who's lost, just Q2 alone, they lost $400 million compared to the same Q2 last year because of the Dylan Mulvaney controversy. Or Disney, where they lost about $2 billion in the course of a year with all these movies. Ooh, that is a debate to be had. Who should win the business blunder of the year? And do we mail it to them? 
that might be an interesting topic for another time. Now, this is one of those trends where this is, I guess the film's newer than I thought, relatively speaking. The original film came out in 1997, voiced by James Woods, and it actually also included Dane DeVito as Phil and Rip Zorn as Zeus. Now, they also claim in 2021 is leaked, and this is thanks to the Publica, that Disney was, quote, looking to cast a 9-1 character in the, in the titular role, despite claiming that they were not ruling out a white male. Hollywood insider Daniel Richmond speculated Disney was, quote, actively pursuing a person of color to lead the live-action remake. Earlier this week, rumors began to articulate that the American actor Michael B. Jordan may be in talks with the role. This is another comment by Johan Power Medias, in quote, Michael B. Jordan is tapped to be the star of the Disney film Hercules. I hesitate between laughing and crying. When will there be a biop on Rosa Parks, played by Merle Robin? F. Wokeism wrote, unquote, that was according to political commentator Johan Paul Medias, although this person used the whole swear F word while I censored it. Perhaps to sound a little bit more tasteful? Nevertheless, this is one of those fascinating things where you only see it ever done one way. And I don't know if this is one of my favorite, well, not my favorite, a fascinating conspiracy theory I have, or, that I've, or rather, more probably that I've read on the internet, is that Disney wants to wipe out the existence of redheads. Because they have a whole compilation of dozens of movies where there used to be white redheads, and then every single time they just race out, swap it for someone of African American descent. It's almost as if the ginger community has no representation. Where is their cause or their banner or their group? They need some better marketing is what I'm trying to say. I think perhaps that is a real concern. But it's interesting to see, they do this time and time again. Famously, they did this in The Little Mermaid where they changed out that redheaded uh, ginger white gal for, I think it was not Haley, uh, the new actress Haley. And she was African-American. And there's a fair amount of pushback. Now, granted, like most Disney movies, it didn't make money. And there's a lot of debate of, well, was it specifically for that alone? Or was it because of the bad music, the terrible, terrible lyrics they put in the music? Was it because they had that weird, they, they used to be, what was it? The little, the fishes that used to be cute now are grotesque in terms of they changed the fish of being like a cartoony, neat looking thing to almost like a amalgamation between cartoony and, we, and real. They also removed any semblance of morals, values, which I know are words that are foreign to people at Disney these days. They basically had entire themes of the movie removed entire redemption redemption marks taken out now again i'm not a doctor or a scientist adhd note here but if you click the subscribe button it may help with my stuttering it's not 100 fixed we don't know it might be however i feel like it's gotten slowly but surely better over time and if you click the button it may in fact assist perhaps time shall tell but when it comes to this disney controversy you also have them with snow white where they again this wasn't an issue where they got rid of the ginger representation, but the new actress was, or is Rachel Zegler, who's known for being insufferable. And she literally insulted the intellectual property of the original film. And of course she, she is actually, I believe Hispanic. And it's one of those instances where Disney delayed that release again. So they're going to rework parts of that film. So the race swapping, I think, and also probably on Netflix, in terms of the cultural controversy, I think it's a big point of contention with many people because it's only done one way. You really don't see films where they change it for a different race in, in that regard. 
So I think that's why you see more and more pushback. I'm surprised there's not like a whole coalition in the ginger community that started to realize we, we're being affected more than anyone else when it comes to the swapping. And yet there's no one standing up for that particular group. So perhaps I'll be the newest social media trend, hashtag save the gingers or something like that. But let me know in the comments, does this concern you or do you really care? Is, do you think this will affect sales at all? Will it actually increase their sales? It, again, it hasn't historically in terms of looking at the instances where Disney did it, but maybe in the future? I don't know. It's, it's a strange instance where I think Disney wants the best of both worlds. They're attempting to keep, what do you call it, taking a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, which if you actually do, is a fun experiment to actually degrades the image over time. But they're basically taking what little ideas they originally had and trying to make them a modern adaptation. But in doing so, you have this awkward amalgamation between old ideas and new ideas and old themes and new themes. When I think a more, if they wanted to make a profit on a film, just come up with a new idea and then you can have a lead actor or actress. It really doesn't matter what their origin is because it's a new idea. You're not changing anything. And depending if you're ginger, this might be a, this might be an irate point of contention where you feel like you don't get that representation anymore. So if they have a new idea from the ground up, which I know is a crazy radical idea to say that Disney should, should make something new. But if they were to do that, this controversy, the controversy of this cultural discussion really wouldn't exist because they'd be making something new. So again, I don't think Disney will do that. that I believe that'd be a prudent business decision. And we both know that seems to be the antithesis of what Bob Iger is do, going for, also known as the opposite. I know public schools are all time low for most of their test metrics. So they're a little fun word of the day. We just added more value than some public schools in the United States, which is might sound ridiculous, but it actually is not a joke. But let me in the comments be fascinating here. What you have to say, do you think this will actually help increase the popularity of the movie? Because it is getting people to talk about it. Again, this is nothing confirmed. This is heavily rumored and maybe, but given the track record of Disney, I think there's a high probability it will come to fruition in this regard. But will it help the film, hurt the film, or just nothing at all? I mean, some people say there's no such thing as bad press. I mean, some people, the people who say that probably don't work in Budweiser anymore. But nevertheless, another topic for another time. Other interesting cultural news, speaking of the time, is Budweiser. They're at it again. Now, Anheuser-Busch had a Halloween tweet that got less than... 250 likes and got ratioed immediately, as the youth might say. Now, again, you're a global company worth literally trillions of dollars and you got less than 250 likes. I, not to brag, but on my Twitter at N-I-C-T-O-P-B-I-N-G, a couple weeks ago, I did get two likes. And I would also argue they're the best likes of all. It may have very well been my own company liking it, but nevertheless, we did get those two likes. Now, it's one of those instances where Budweiser and Isaac Bush, rather, the parent company, actually posted a tweet and they said in the text, hauntingly good brews await, unquote, which the Security Exchange Commission's very well might send them a letter because that would be perhaps the definition of false advertising. Because again, what it, it good brews wait. I don't know if this is a detour, like they put this building in front of the Yangling building. So you could argue technically it's on the way, but of course, famously, Anheuser-Busch is headquartered in St. Louis. So I don't think that's actually the case. So they're insinuating that there are good brews inside this building with the Budweiser sign on it, which, 
That's got to be. I mean, that just sounds like false advertising to me. Where's the SEC when you need them? Well, nowhere to be found. So it's actually, in terms of creativity, I don't want to say they get an F. But they certainly, no, 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 they get an F. They date, they were so lazy, and perhaps it's just the, how, just how low the bar has gotten at Andrew Bush. They, they didn't even have the audacity to come up with a creative idea to carve the pumpkin. So it's just a picture of a pumpkin in front of a Budweiser building. Really? You couldn't take, what, an hour or 30 minutes to carve the pumpkin? You couldn't put your logo in the pumpkin? A horse or the, the iconic Clydesdale horse that you brag about? You couldn't put anything in there? Not even a, a Halloween face on the pumpkin? Nope. Perhaps it's just your lazy marketing again. Just throw a pumpkin in front of the building and give it an orange hue. They didn't even put cobwebs on the building. And presumably, not very many people work there anymore, so there should be some cobwebs. But nevertheless, they did get nearly 12,000 views. Which, again, is abysmal. Can't help but wonder. Will the comic section be good? Bad? Happy? Sad? Censored beyond all belief? Let's dive in and find out. The first comment by Mr. Muggle Josh, who gets an F for marketing because his profile picture is of a whale, which, again, if you're a muggle, that is a reference to the Harry Potter universe, that means you cannot do magic. So presumably, you could not turn yourself into a whale. So, deceptive profile picture, to say the least. Now, this person, by the name of Muggle Josh, says, picture goes hard, unquote. Now, he did get zero likes, which, that's nearly impossible to do if you're commenting on a huge global brand's tweet. Now, We'll see if this, this almost sounds too good to be true. Is this, is something saying, someone, they're actually saying something positive about Anheuser Bush. We must do some investigating. Perhaps he works there? So if we go to his profile, he's, we see he's got 63 followers, registered the account in 2021. It looks like, dear God, he picked, this person actually pictured willingly, I, I, Actually, I should caveat. He might be a hostage. I don't know yet. But he willingly, apparently, posted a picture of cooked meat and an uh, aluminum can of Budweiser. And his meme was, or the, the text was, car broke down, but the charcoal grill never will, unquote. Which, yes, yeah, so any charcoal grill is just a metal box, basically. I don't see how it can break. But that got one like. And now he is big fan of Call of Duty. Doing a lot of retweets for free Call of Duty stuff. I'll be a lot of retweets. But I'll be damned. This appears to be a real person. I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm very surprised. So the first tweet response to Anders Bush is actually a real person. Interesting. Anders Bush did respond to him saying pretty spooky. I can't believe this. It looks like there's two positive responses. In a row? Can't be right. So someone by the name of Rolly says, very cool, happy Halloween. And Anders Bush said right back at you. Let's see if it's a real person though. Mr. Rolly has a picture of a cat. It's 751 followers. 
So they are beating me in that regard. This person has a profile picture of a cat, claims to be a wife, a mother, and a caregiver, has tweeted a picture of a dog, Let's see here. Reposting pictures of cats. Reposting pets. I'll be darned. A real person. I. I'll be darned. Roley is a real person. This very well may very be the most successful tweet in regards to Andrew Bush history, well, post-April 1st history. The most hilarious thing is that the whole Dylan Mulvaney controversy occurred on April 1st, which is known for being April Fool's Day. Well, the fools were surely the shareholders. They were, they were fooled by the whole company. Now, it looks like there's some other comments, and again, those, those first two comments got zero likes. Someone by the name of Ola Arizona says, quote, Nice photo, lousy beer, unquote. Got two likes. Someone by the name of Right From The D says, quote, not as spooky as hanging out with Dill Mulvaney, unquote. Person got five likes. Scraps says, quote, dressing up as a good beer, unquote. Getting three likes. Ronald says, never again, unquote. Getting two likes. Let's see. Someone literally just texted or did a tweet with thumbs down getting two likes. Someone saying happy Halloween. Nope. Someone by the name of Lights Camera Action Fellow said, quote, too scared to drink as I might have to use the wrong or wrong pronouns, unquote. Someone by the name of The Watcher saying you still suck. Let's see here. Many memes with the Yangling logo. So they're just saying Yangling is better. Cats and Guire, KTG44. This individual tweeted a response saying, quote, well, yeah, well, Dill Mulvaney is certainly a ghoul, unquote, getting four likes. Wow, really? not that very, very many comments. Interesting. So as youth might say, they were certainly ratioed with a majority of the comments being pejorative and against the original tweet from Anheuser-Busch. And again, as they never, 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 again, I'm perhaps not a doctor, but if you click subscribe, it might help with the stuttering. Maybe, perhaps. I'm just saying, can't hurt, might not try it. But nevertheless, Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, they never really addressed the, the big elephant in the room or the big, the Dill Mulvaney in the room. So they're trying, they're desperately trying to pay people to forget their marketing business blunder of the century. But again, they seem to be just alienating people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. So it'll be interesting to see if they can ever turn out of this nosedive. But I was going to say, there's my three cents, which should be four cents, but I'm a, I'm a generous man. It used to be two cents, but 40 year hyperinflation, thanks to the government, gotta be three cents. Can't help but think my three cents is they're not going to turn this ship around. Or perhaps a more appropriate metaphor, they're not going to turn around that Clydesdale beer horse caravan around anytime soon. Let me in the comments. Be fascinated here. What do you have to say? Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek tweets, Twitter files corruption 
with a clip with Elon showing how they coerced the government and worked with the government to censor Americans. Now, this is thanks to the Joe Rogan experience in which Elon went on a couple days ago. And you actually have Vivek's little excerpt or little text before the video. And again, if you have suggestions for picture and picture, little software production software, I would greatly appreciate it currently using OBS open source software and using one source with the USB camera and trying to think of how I could do it and try a couple different softwares, still have issues. So if you have any suggestions, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, his text before the video from Vex says, quote, it's illegal for the government bureaucrats to use carrots and sticks to get tech companies to censor what the government can't censor directly. It's great that Elon remade Twitter, but the problem is still perverse, uh, pervasive elsewhere. Reform is required. Without further ado. What was that like? Because that, to me, that was the most bizarre, was the Twitter files. When you let Schellenberger yeah. and Matt Taibbi and all those guys get in the Twitter, and the, the response where Matt Taibbi gets audited. I mean, which is just wild. I mean, it's just so blatant and so in your face. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I mean, the degree, yeah, the, the degree to which, and, and by, by the way, Jack didn't really know, know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply... Um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public, and uh, it, it was there was no it was whatever the official government. I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It was a state publication. And was the justification from their perspective that they are progressive liberals, they have the right intentions, it's important that they stay in power, the progressive liberals stay in government and power, because this is the this is their there, there was there was uh, basically oppression of um, any any views that would even I would say be considered middle of the road, um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right i'm just talking mildly right the people like republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of democrats um now that's because uh old twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left it was like completely controlled by the, the, the far left 10 times which is a lot everyone always talks about double your value which is two times 10 times that's not too surprising but that's an astronomical ratio you think more Americans would be concerned about this. Unfortunately, most have either not researched the topic at all or just don't seem to care about this huge violation of human rights when it comes to your freedom of speech is paramount. And yet, many Americans don't care that half the country is being censored ridiculously. So let's go into the comments section and see how they look. Someone by the name of Deep Blue Currency says, quote, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority, unquote. And apparently that quote is by Rick Warren. Got nine likes. Let's see here. A lot of medium responses. A lot of responses are getting a couple. I'm trying to see what the top ones are. Yeah, interesting enough. Not a huge... You think you get a couple of responses or replies with hundreds of likes, but maybe they're censored. But nevertheless, someone by the name of Alex Laostos, he says, quote, When you have a medium like X to show the way, the people will begin to flock and leave those other platforms. As long as Elon stands strong in his convictions, the other platforms will either become completely irrelevant 
or be forced to change how they will behave like legacy media does now, where you are inherently know their bias beforehand. Unquote. Press got five likes. Which I do agree with that sentiment. It's gonna be a huge value add. And the only way to compete with them would be to actually stand up for free speech, but it'd be interesting to see if they actually do though. Someone by the name of 1585 says, quote, Yep, and you can still see the blue trying to suppress more red in all of the community notes. Elon Musk reform is required. Why do you think YouTube went away from showing counts and dislikes versus likes? Unquote. Got six likes, which when it comes to the dislike button, I absolutely believe that was politically motivated. I can't help but notice the videos from the White House a couple years back, well, probably still to this day, had the worst dislike, dislike ratio ever. And YouTube said, oh yeah, this is to protect the creators. It's ridiculous. Every creator, if you go to YouTube Studio, which is the back end where you upload the videos and you can see the, just the, all the metrics, it still shows you the dislike count. So I think that was just a futile attempt to make some people look a little bit better. Let me know if you think differently in the comments. Someone by the name of Brian Fry says, quote, So what's the solution then? How do you stop the censorship and propaganda machine that is big government? This is a huge issue and one that won't stop anytime soon. Genuinely curious to hear your solution, unquote. First, got four likes. A lot of people saying reform the government. Seth C. says the FBI sells closed-door deals with big tech and social media companies, unquote, getting three likes. So one of those instances, uh, a little bit, oh, there's a couple more down here. Somebody by the name of Gypsy says, quote, what about using paid tiers to influence reach on X to amplify those with their money versus those without, unquote, getting four likes, which is true. Linda, Yac Linda Macarena, I'm just kidding, her name is Yacarino, but I'm sure she does do the Macarena quite well. However, she's famously said we want, it's uh, not freedom of speech, but freedom of reach, which is ridiculous and evil way of just saying we're going to censor the things we don't want censored. So you can tweet about it, but no one's going to see it because we're going to manipulate the feeds of the people who follow you and it won't be actually being seen or shown or heard. Let's see here. A lot of people saying, why do you like, why do bad guys like censorship? Why are the politicians actually going to go to jail? Well, spoiler alert, never because they're really never held to accountability, both left and right. Someone by the name of Olivia Walker saying, quote, exactly, the problem is extremely pervasive on another platform. I'm thinking of one specifically, unquote, getting two likes. So interestingly enough, I thought there would be a lot more traction in the comment section. I thought there'd be a lot more interest. Uh... Ricardo says, quote, Vivek, it's illegal. Oh, I guess it's him saying what they would say. So Ricardo says, quote, Vivek, it's illegal for the government to do. Joe Biden, hold my Geritol-infused beer, unquote. Getting two likes. Bert Carney says, quote, If it's illegal, why hasn't anyone been charged for doing just that? Not one government official has been or will be charged. What's the point of having laws that neither ex exercised nor enforced, unquote. Getting nine likes. But, Bert, you do forget... Laws are very, very much enforced if you are politically on the right. Just look at all the political corruption these days with people being charged for the same things that people on the left were let off without even a second thought. So the laws do exist and they are enforced, just not equally. Which again, I'm surprised Republican nominees aren't driving this point home.
because people in the middle and people on the left should very much care about that issue because the shoe will be on the other foot, so to say, someday. One of the biggest guarantees in life or one of the age-old sayings is the only guarantee in life is change. So as well as instances where the tool you're using against your enemy today will very well most likely be used against you tomorrow. Now I say that even though Republicans, let's, yeah, I actually don't, that might not be a great metaphor because they don't have a good track record of actually doing anything. Unfortunately, it'd be good to see some action. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see if this is a huge topic for the upcoming election. Do more and more politicians jump on the bandwagon and actually continue to highlight those discrepancies? Or will they just simply kind of let it fall the wayside and do the traditional cliche campaign, we need to get people back to work, which, yes, great campaign note that everyone has used since the dawn of time. So if you're interested to see it, let me know in the comments. It'll be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting political news, you have the United Auto Workers strike against Stellantis Chrysler cost the company near $3.2 billion. That is quite a pretty penny, though pennies nowadays are garbage because they're 99.99% zinc, which is a useless metal. I should say a pretty vintage penny, which is actually made out of copper, which is actually worth something both in terms of monetary as well as industry. But nevertheless, that's a pretty vintage penny. Now, this is coming from CNBC. And they say that the labor strikes by the UA, United Auto Workers Union against Atlantis estimated cost the company about 3.2 billion or 3 billion euros in lost revenue through October. And this is actually also coming straight from the company. Now, despite, they also continue to say that despite the labor strikes, Atlantis maintained its 2023 guidance, signaling that the strength of its global footprint compared to GM and Ford. $3.2 billion. Now, of course, they also have come to a tentative agreement with the UAW, but it still has to be ratified by all the union members, so you have to vote on it. Now, Solantis Chief Financial Officer Natalie Knight declined to disclose how much the UAW strikes dent to the company's earnings, but said that she would be like it would likely be in line with GM and Ford. So cost about three people think that's a lot of money in terms of 3.2 billion. It's not nothing, but I think we also have to remember when the strike first commenced, they were asking between 80 and $100 billion over the course of the four-year contract. That was the original value. That was a value upon the contracts that third-party analysts had put upon. So even though it cost them 3.2 in revenue, eh, it's actually not too bad because, again, that's revenue, not profit. So it'll be interesting to see how much money is left over for them in the UAW to help people get elected in 2024 to make their own problems worse, which is one of the most ironic things ever, since, again, the UAW got people elected who are banning internal combustion engines and forcing them to make EVs, which take less rudimentary labor to produce, turning them into tech companies, not automotive companies, and they also caused record inflation, which are two of the things that the UAW is complaining about the most, is the inflation, as well as EVs needing less hands to make, and also having less profit, especially for the short term, so they're going to get paid less. So they kind of created their own problem. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of effect this has on, from a political perspective, do they have less money to donate into the upcoming elections? If you to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Wanabana fruit pouches containing high levels of lead. Now this comes from an article written from the NPR. So of course they're gonna have their bias. So it'll be interesting to see this article specifically say that the puree pouches, regardless of their expiration date, are now subject to a voluntary recall by Wana Banana. 
I want to say they get enough for marketing, but that is not very easy to pronounce. Wanabana? Nevertheless, they say that they sold them online through retailers such as Sam's Club, Amazon, and Dollar Tree. And when asked for comment, Wanabana? Wanabana? What? The company name. They said, quote, the company is committed to ensuring the safety of its products and the well-being of its consumers. Now, the FDA is saying that the children who have eaten the fruit pouches should get a blood test through their provider to ensure they don't have any unsafe levels of lead in their system. Now, investigators identified the the puree pouches as a, quote, potential shared source of exposure. The state then tested multiple lots of the product and found that they contained, quote, extreme high concentrations of lead, unquote. Now, Juan Banana USA is saying that they're working to determine the source of the lead contamination and urge consumers to stop using the products and return them for, of course, a full refund. Now, granted, all that being said, the monetary amount in the short term is not going to be half as bad as the reputation ding in the long term. Because especially for kids, parents, of course, as they should, well, I'd argue how many of them actually are doing their job in terms of making sure they're only taking part in actually viewing good content in terms of age-appropriate materials from a media perspective. But nevertheless, good parents are also looking at the children's diet and ensuring that the foods that they're giving them are extremely healthy. And in this case, it's a little sad because it's a little bit of the inverse. You would think it'd be healthy, although I don't know how much of a puree is really healthy, but nevertheless, as well as those instances where you thought the product was safe, and it turns out quite the antithesis, not only is it unhealthy, but it's potentially unfortunately deadly now that being said thank god there's no i don't see any reports thus far of any deaths from this specific incident but as a parent the damage to this brand i can't but think they would never trust that brand again either take a little effort to actually make your own puree so throw apples into a blender or just tell the kid to eat an apple and ideally you know wash it make sure if you can afford it hopefully you can maybe get organic but nevertheless this, what used to be a convenient product that you trusted, that trust is gone. And especially for child material, child um, foods and child clothing and toys, lead is one of the biggest concerns because it does have many negative health aspects to it. Especially the younger the age are, the more of the impact it can negatively affect their body and their health. So when it comes to Wanabana, I can't but think, this huge debt to the reputation, I don't know if they'll bankrupt the company or if the parent company will have to sell it off, but if you're a parent, let me know in the comments, would you ever trust this brand again? Would you ever purchase it and give it to your child? Because it's happened once. I'm not saying it's a guarantee it'll happen again, but for quality control, I don't know how they missed this. Because again, you should be, especially with any food being food related, but especially kid food related, you should have the highest quality standards be testing this all the time especially for common things that are negative, detrimentally negative to your health, such as the traditional things when it comes to food. Usually you think of mercury when it comes to seafood, because depending on where the fish are, there's, that's one of the biggest detriments to that industry in that regard. But when it comes to this, I can't help but think, they're not mentioning the fiscal impact in terms of the dollar amount, but it's going to hurt the company, and this is going to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Also, can't thank you enough for taking the time to click that subscribe button. Try to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November. So if you click that button, I greatly appreciate it. Also, leaving a comment is a great way to help me develop the channel, make the show better and better, improve the quality. And lastly, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tech, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.